Hello and welcome to History Tea Time. I'm Lindsay Holiday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. Royalty 101 British Titles of Royalty and Nobility While reading or watching your favorite British period drama, watching the latest news clip on the royal family, or watching one of my recent videos, you may have noticed a number of different titles being uttered. Princes, dukes, earls, barons, what do they mean? Which are ranked higher? Why are Kate and Meghan duchesses when they're married to princes? Why are the Queen's eldest children called the Prince of Wales and the Princess Royal? And why is the wife of an Earl a Countess? Let's take a look at the history and modern realities of Britain's royal and noble ranks and titles. King and Queen the titles Kuningas and Kwani emerged in pre-Christian Germany and were used to refer to their tribal leaders. The Anglo-Saxon tribes were ruled over by Kynings, and their wives were called Queens. Towards the end of the first millennia, the island of Britannia was divided into several small kingdoms, each ruled by its own king until the king of Wessex, Alfred the Great, consolidated power through battle and marriage to Elfswith of Mercia, the neighboring kingdom. His grandson, Ethelstan, continued his mission and became the first king of all England in 927. In the Middle Ages, kings were called Your Grace or Your Highness, but in 1519, King Henry VIII heard that the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V was addressed as Your Majesty. Henry quite liked that and decided to tell his subjects to call him Your Majesty as well. If the monarch is a king, then their wife will be a queen consort. If the monarch is a queen regnant, that is, a queen in her own right, then it gets a little stickier. Some queen's husbands have wanted to be named king consorts, but as that gets confusing as to which half of the couple is the monarch and has the power, recent husbands, including that of the current queen regnant Elizabeth II, have had to contend themselves with being prince consorts. A queen consort would be addressed as Your Majesty, but Prince Philip is addressed as Your Royal Highness. The monarch is the fount of honor and grants all royal and noble titles, including those to their own family members, so who is and is not granted a royal title is at the monarch's discretion, but usually their children are titled Princes and Princesses. Today, one might assume that the children of a king and queen were always called prince and princess, but other European monarchies have different titles for their monarch's heirs, such as Infanta in Spain, Dauphine in France, and Tsarevich in Russia. The title of prince originally meant the ruler of any area, for example, the ruler of Wales. In the 13th century, warrior king Edward I conquered Wales and spiked Prince Llewellyn op Griffith's head on the Tower of London. Edward then named his own son, the future Edward II, Prince of Wales. 
Since then, the eldest son and heir apparent of the monarch has been called the Prince of Wales, including the current prince, Charles. When Elizabeth's father became King George VI, she was not created Princess of Wales because as a female, she was heiress presumptive, not heir apparent. The difference is that an heir apparent will definitely inherit the throne, assuming they outlive the monarch. An heir presumptive could still be displaced by someone else. Specifically, if King George had fathered a son, then Elizabeth's younger brother would have become monarch instead of her. The sovereign's eldest daughter is granted the title Princess Royal. This tradition was started in 1631 by Queen Consort Henrietta Maria of France, the wife of King Charles I. She wanted to copy the French style of calling the king's eldest daughter Madame Royale, so she called her first daughter Mary Princess Royal to complement her eldest son's title of Prince of Wales. This is yet another title that eluded young Elizabeth because her aunt, Princess Mary, was holding the honor, and there can only be one Princess Royal at a time. Princess Mary lived until 1965, well after her niece became queen. Elizabeth's only daughter, Princess Anne, is the seventh Princess Royal. She was granted the title in 1987 at the age of 37. While the eldest son and daughter of the monarch received the titles of Prince of Wales and Princess Royal, younger children were not officially created princes or princesses. The sons were usually granted dukedoms, while the daughters would hopefully be married off to become queens of other countries. But in 1714, King George I began the tradition of naming all of his children and male line grandchildren princes and princesses, when he titled his grandson Prince Frederick. King George III extended this to great-grandchildren in 1776. Queen Victoria made the tradition into law with the birth of her first male line grandchild, Prince Albert Victor. But she did not address the rules for great-grandchildren. In 1917, King George V formally defined the rules as the children of any sovereign of these realms and the children of the sons of any such sovereign and the eldest living son of the eldest son of the Prince of Wales shall enjoy the title of Royal Highness and the dignity of Prince. In 2012, Queen Elizabeth II extended the right to be titled Prince or Princess from Birth to all of Prince William's children, as he is her heir's heir. Once Prince Charles becomes king, as his grandchildren, Archie and his younger sister, should be granted the titles of Prince and Princess. There are currently 25 British princes and princesses. They are Queen Elizabeth's husband and their four children. The monarch's son's children are also given the titles of prince and princess, while their daughter's children are not. That's why Prince Andrew's daughters are Princess Beatrice and Princess Eugenie, while Princess Anne's children are just Peter and Zara. As the likely future king, Prince William's children are also princes and a princess. Four of Queen Elizabeth's cousins, grandchildren of King George V, are still living and are princes and a princess. 
The wife of a man who holds a royal title or noble rank may use the female version of her husband's rank. So Camilla, Catherine Middleton, and Meghan Markle are all princesses. However, the husband of a woman who holds a royal or noble rank in her own right, or suo-yure, may not use his wife's title. Members of the British royal family are usually granted the right to be addressed as his or her royal highness, or HRH for short. When King Edward VIII abdicated the throne in 1937 to marry American divorcee Wallace Simpson, it was unclear what an ex-king should be called. His brother, King George VI, granted him the title of Duke of Windsor, with the style of His Royal Highness. But because of the resentment against her, Wallace Simpson was denied the right to be styled as HRH. The Duke frequently petitioned his brother and niece to grant his wife this honor, but they never relented. While Camilla, Kate, and Meghan are all princesses, they are usually referred to as duchesses. That's because the title of prince or princess is a lovely thing to have, but in the UK, they are merely that, titles. However, a peerage used to come with land, money, and power. So when a royal is both a prince and a peer, the peerage takes precedence. The evolution of the English peerage. The peerage may also be referred to as the nobility or the aristocracy. In 927, Ethelstan became the one and only King of England. But as only one man, he could not maintain control of the whole kingdom on his own. So he divided administration of his lands among earls. The early earldoms were large, many corresponded with the borders of previously independent kingdoms. Each earldom contained multiple shires. Under the earls, each shire had a shire reef, or sheriff. The earls were responsible for administering the king's laws in their area and collecting fines and taxes, of which they kept a third penny or one-third and passed the rest up to the king. They also provided men for the king's army. In 1066, William, Duke of Normandy, conquered England. He reorganized the administration of his new kingdom, using ideas taken from the French feudal system he had grown up with. Peasants owed the noblemen over their area rent for use of the land, and knights owed the noblemen their service. King William didn't like so much land and power in the hands of so few earls, so he made the shire the largest subdivision of his kingdom, and gave the old earls only one shire each. They were now the equivalent of a French count, and the English term shire was changed to the French term county. William kept the English title of Earl, but that is why an Earl's wife is called a Countess. King William appointed a handful of his most loyal knights the title of Earl, but he also shifted more of the administrative responsibility to the sheriffs, further stripping power from the nobility. When William's son, Henry I, died in 1135, his only surviving legitimate child was a daughter, Matilda. A woman had never ruled England before, plus she was living in France with her husband, the Duke of Anjou. Her cousin, Stephen, beat her to London and claimed the throne. 
the cousins battled for 18 years during a time known as the Anarchy. When Stephen finally secured the throne, he rewarded his loyal knights by appointing them earls. He gave them castles and allowed them to control the sheriffs in their areas. The earls grew powerful, holding their own courts, minting their own coins, and challenging the power of subsequent kings. In 1215, a group of earls rose up against King John and forced him to sign the Magna Carta, the very first constitution which limited the previously unchecked power of the king and created the first English parliament made up of earls. For the next hundred years, kings and earls fought over rights and power in two civil wars known as the First and Second Barons Wars. At that time, baron was a generic term for a landholding noble. The modern title of baron hadn't been created yet. After a century of bloodshed, King Edward III decided to embrace the peerage he saw their use in helping him run the kingdom. So he created many new earldoms and expanded the peerage upward by adding a new title above the earls. Duke and Duchess, the highest rank of the peerage. There are currently eight royal and 24 non-royal dukedoms in the UK. Dukes and duchesses are addressed as your grace and their children are lords and ladies. Since the creation of the title, there have been fewer than 500 dukes, and these have been the richest and most powerful men in the land. In 1337, King Edward III created the first three English dukedoms for members of the royal family. They were the dukedoms of Cornwall, Clarence, and Lancaster, which he granted to his three eldest sons. In 1387, Edward's successor, his grandson Richard II, created two more dukedoms for his other uncles. Edmund became Duke of York and Thomas Duke of Gloucester. It was the grandsons of the Dukes of Lancaster and York who waged the Wars of the Roses over which branch of the family should have the crown. A great many members of the peerage died in these wars. Several more dukedoms have been created since and are traditionally given to members of the royal family when they come of age at 21 or when they are married. A very nice wedding present indeed. Today, a dukedom no longer comes with the right to tax the peasants. More on that towards the end of the video. However, there are two duchies which function as trusts and own a great deal of land and wealth. They are the duchies of Lancaster, which is held by the reigning monarch, owns around 46,000 acres, including Lancaster Castle, and is worth 534 million pounds. And the royal duchy of Cornwall, which is held by the heir to the throne, owns 135,000 acres and is worth 909 million pounds. These two duchies make up a large chunk of the royal family's spending money. At the same time King Richard II created more dukedoms, he also added two more ranks to the peerage. Barons, the lowest rank in the peerage, and another rank above earls but below dukes. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? 
Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Marquis and Marchioness. The second rank of the peerage. There are currently 34 Marquis states in the UK. Marquises, Marchionesses, and all other lower members of the peerage are addressed as Lord or Lady. Their children are addressed as Honorable or Lady. The title Marquis comes from the French title Marquis and refers to the nobleman who guarded the Welsh and Scottish borderlands or marshes. In Germany, the same position became known as a Margrave. The only woman to have been created a Marchioness in her own right was Anne Boleyn, who was created Marchioness of Pembroke just before her marriage to King Henry VIII. As the daughter of an earl, she had previously been a lady. Earl and Countess, the third and oldest rank of the peerage. There are currently 191 earls in the UK. In the Middle Ages, an earldom was conferred by fastening a ceremonial sword to the belt. Later, a cape was draped on the shoulders and golden circlet placed on the head. But James I ended this tradition in 1615. Viscount and Viscountess, the fourth and newest rank of the peerage. There are currently 270 Viscounts in the UK. On the continent, a viscount or a vice-count was the lieutenant of a count, the position that a sheriff held in England. In the late 1400s, the title was added to the English nobility by King Henry IV to honor knights who fought in the 100 Years' War with France. Baron and Baroness the fifth and lowest rank of the peerage. There are currently 444 barons in the UK. Barrow means man in Latin, and a baron was a generic term for any of the king's men. In 1387, Richard II created the first hereditary baronies. Today, many baronies are granted for life to new members of the House of Lords. This rank has by far the most female members, with over 200 lifetime baronesses in the House of Lords. The children of lifetime peers may still be addressed as honorable, but they may not inherit the title when their parent dies. In Scotland, the equivalent of a baron is a Lord of Parliament. We'll get more into how the House of Lords works in a minute. In 1611, King James I created a sixth rank, a baronet, which is not counted as part of the peerage. There are currently 1,204 baronets in the UK. Baronets were sold to the wealthy to raise cash for the king. The cost of the title was £1,095, the cost of the upkeep of 30 soldiers for three years, about a quarter of a million dollars today. 
Rules of the Peerage When the monarch creates a new peerage of any level to grant to someone, they will issue a letter patent, which defines the terms of the peerage. Some peerages are granted for the lifetime of the person who receives them. It was customary for prime ministers to be granted a lifetime peerage upon leaving office, but this has fallen out of fashion. The last PM to get the honor was Baroness Margaret Thatcher in 1990. The title may also be hereditary and can be passed down to heirs male of his body, meaning only legitimate biological male descendants of the original peer. Because the Queen's second son, Prince Andrew, Duke of York, has two daughters, they will not be able to inherit his title. However, it is possible that Princess Eugenie's new baby son could inherit the title someday. Though as Princess Beatrice is older, any sons she might have would take priority. Or the dukedom could revert back to the crown when Andrew dies, and be appointed to someone else from another branch of the royal family likely to Prince Louis, as the title Duke of York, when available, is traditionally appointed to the heir's younger brother. When there is no one to inherit a peerage, then it becomes extinct, and the crown has the right to appoint it to someone new. Dukedoms, marquisates, and earldoms often come with subsidiary titles, which are not necessarily geographically tied. For instance, Prince Edward, Earl of Wessex, passed the subsidiary title of his earldom to his son, James Viscount Severn. Prince William was appointed Duke of Cambridge upon his wedding, with the subsidiary titles of Earl of Strathern and Baron Carrickfergus. If he chooses, he can pass on those lesser titles to his son, while he still holds the title of Duke of Cambridge. Ireland and Scotland have peerages of their own, with slightly different sets of rules and traditions. Notably, more women have been appointed peers and are allowed to inherit. At the coronation of a new monarch, or at ceremonial occasions in the House of Lords, the peers get to play dress-up. They wear crimson, often fur-lined robes of state, and coronets, or crowns, with different jewels and golden symbols that signify which rank they belong to. A single robe and coronet set, worn for Queen Elizabeth II's coronation in 1953, cost about £35,000 in today's money. The House of Lords and the Modern Peerage Back in 1337, when King Edward III added dukes to the peerage, Parliament also split into two houses. The House of Lords, made up of nobles, and the House of Commons, made up of representatives from each borough, or subdivision of a county. This gave the common people a bit of power, but not much. By the 1640s, the English people grew tired of living under the thumb of the nobility. So the House of Commons waged war on the crown, and won, abolishing the House of Lords and beheading King Charles I. But life wasn't so merry under the new, strict, puritanical regime of General Oliver Cromwell, who declared himself Lord Protector, but acted more like a king. So after seven years, Parliament decided to restore the House of Lords and the monarchy, inviting Charles's son back to be crowned King Charles II. 
But now that the House of Commons had the upper hand, they limited the power of both the monarchy and the peerage, passing the 1660 Tenure Abolition Act, which replaced the rent and military service commoners owed to peers with a direct tax paid to the crown, effectively ending the feudal system in England. So a peerage no longer meant all the peasants living in your area had to fight in your army and pay you rent. But noble families certainly weren't suddenly out in the cold. They had used the centuries they did have that right to amass a great deal of personal land, property, and money. Some families managed their wealth well and passed it down generation to generation. In some cases, one dandy with a gambling addiction was enough to gobble up centuries of accumulated riches. This led to many impoverished nobles in the 19th century marrying the daughters of American robber barons. Nouveau riche Americans got to buy legitimacy with an ancient title, while the derelict English nobility got an influx of cash. These so-called dollar princesses will definitely be a video topic in the future. For centuries, the British nobility have pled poverty and decried life in ancient castles and manor houses with leaky roofs. Today, the wealth of a British peer mostly comes down to the fortunes they inherit from their forebears, and in many cases, it's a lot. As of 2019, the average value of a peerage was 16 million pounds, and the 10 largest personal fortunes inherited in the last decade add up to over 1 billion pounds. Additionally, noble families can count on income from the many acres of land and historic properties they own, and a peerage can open doors to top schools and universities, and many career opportunities. The nobility also keep hold of the House of Lords, the upper house in the British Parliament. In the past, monarchs used to get around their constitutionally limited political influence by appointing new peerages and adding like-minded lords to Parliament. King George III created 170 new peers during his reign. But as these titles were hereditary, once the original lord died, his seat would be thrown to the genetic lottery, and the king would go on appointing new peerages to add more like-minded lords to parliament. Lord Byron inherited a seat in the House of Lords in 1809 at the age of 21. He was passionate about progressive reform and gave one very theatrical speech, but then grew bored with politics, stopped showing up to Parliament, and carried on with his now famous life of debauchery. In fact, while the many hundreds of peers each had the right to sit in Parliament, few of them bothered to show up, unless the issue on the floor was of personal concern to them. In 1958, the House of Commons pushed back on the inflating number of lords. They passed the Life Peerages Act, which allowed the Prime Minister to request the monarch grant peerages to their political cronies for life, rather than the monarch's favorites for generations. Lifetime peers are always barons or baronesses. This opened up the door for women to sit in the lords. As of 2020, there are 222 female peers. 
In 1999, the House of Lords Act limited the number of hereditary peers who could sit in the Lords from all 700-plus peers in the kingdom to just 92 elected by the other peers. They sit with the politically appointed lifetime peers and archbishops and bishops to make a total of 803 members of the House of Lords. The British Parliament is the only bicameral legislation in the world where the upper house has more members than the lower house. Today, the House of Lords acts as a check on the House of Commons. They cannot write bills, but they review and amend them and can slow them down and in rare cases prevent them from passing. The appointment of new barons to the House of Lords is often lauded for its nepotism and cronyism. In 2020, Prime Minister Boris Johnson named his own brother. Many call for the House of Lords to be reformed into an elected rather than appointed institution to better serve the British people. So what is the future of the hereditary British peerage? Since 1970, only six new hereditary peerages have been created, five of them for members of the royal family. As monarchs often have multiple children, but only one crown to pass down, a peerage title is seen as a consolation prize for the younger children. With the creation of new peers outside of the royal family seen as verboten and only legitimate male descendants allowed to inherit, the peerage may very slowly die out. But as there was never actually a law passed to prevent them from doing so, the monarch retains the right to create new peerages at any time. In 2013, the monarchy moved from male preference to absolute primogeniture, giving daughters equal standing to sons when it comes to inheriting the throne. However, the Dukedom of Sussex, created for Prince Harry in 2018, still included the directive, heirs male of his body. A campaign called Daughters' Rights aims to change the male preference rule for the peerage, though this would be an ironically progressive way to extend the life of an archaic system. Knights, Dames, and Honors So what about all the British celebrities with Sir and Dame before their names, like Sir Elton John, Sir Paul McCartney, Dame Judi Dench, and Dame Emma Thompson? They are not part of the peerage, but have been made knights or dames of the most excellent order of the British Empire. These orders of chivalry were established in 1917 by King George V and are awarded for outstanding contribution to the arts, sciences, public and military service. The top two orders, Knight Grand Cross or Dame Grand Cross, and Knight Commander or Dame Commander mean that the recipient is entitled to use Sir or Dame before their name. The lower three orders are Commander, Officer, and Member of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire. These and a number of other honors are awarded twice a year for New Year's and for the Queen's birthday. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. I'll be putting out new episodes every Tuesday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos, unburying some of my favorite hidden gems, and adding even more fascinating information for your listening pleasure. Want some visuals with your history? Then check out my YouTube channel, History Tea Time with Lindsay Holiday, where you can find hundreds of videos about queens of the world, royal history, women's history, and more. 
This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like Queen's Podcast, Ancient History Fangirl, Redacted History, and more.